Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 1st of July, 2018. Yesterday morning, Saturday morning, early, very early, after been actually on Friday night, Saturday morning, on midnight, it started thundering like crazy, and uh, tremendous uh, lightning strikes all over the place, lasted quite a few hours too which isn't unusual really for this area of Ontario at this time of year. And then the rain came, big downpours, and uh, today, of course, it's been awfully humid because it's added to the humidity that already existed. And uh, it's, it's quite astonishing to see how fast humidity can build up in the air until you're almost... You almost need a, a, a kind of a filter to, to breathe and get the water out of the air so you can breathe it. But that's normal, as I say, for this time of the year in this particular area. But I quite like thunderstorms, as long as you're in a, a nice, safe enough place uh, watching it all. It's quite fascinating to watch the lightning go from different parts of the compass over the course of a few hours and, uh, and keep going for such a long time, too. Quite amazing. Anyway... That's how it is today. So you might hear a fan in the background. You might you might not, I don't know. You've got to get the air moving in here, even though that's all it does is just kind of move it around, but it's better than having stagnant air with high humidity. I don't know how folk really can afford to have air conditioning on all the time because uh, in Canada especially, I mean, and they have at least told us in Canada, in Ontario at least, uh, that the, the, the cost of all energy and all fuels have to go up increasingly over the next few years. It's been going that way for years, of course, but the next few years, too, in other words, there's going to be no relief from expensive, expensive fuels because you're getting pushed into the age of austerity, and that's the big agenda, as as we all know. And there's so many articles out there, and I don't think people really, really understand that if you want to understand how we really learn things as human beings is through osmosis, as Jax E. Lull said. He was awfully good at studying people and philosophy and so on. And as he said, he says, we don't, we don't learn directly, uh, generally, as adults especially. We don't learn directly as little bits in, in, of information come your way on a very carefully constructed scientific system of what's called news. And it's an entertainment, it's embedded in entertainment and movies and so on to get you used to certain ideas, themes, or memes so that you'll incorporate these things as fact and act upon them accordingly. And and at the very least, just go along with every new agenda that's put in front of you. You won't think consciously through it. It'll seem all quite natural. Just follow along. And that's the beauty of it. He says osmosis. It's almost like it comes out of the air and gradually attaches in bits and pieces to, to our minds and unfortunately, that's a technique which the elite who run the world, and there is an elite, by the way, <laughs> that runs the world with its councils and its form of, of um, a government that gives agendas out to what you think are elected governments across the world. And it's been here for an awful, awful long time. Uh, the one thing that power has never done is allow anything to pop up that might upset the apple cart and take power away from them. So even when you think you're living through something like a a cultural revolution, a sexual revolution, all these things are very real. They were planned, 
and executed by using all the culture industry, etc. And I need an education industry. It was put through all the schools, etc. Still is, of course, because big agendas had to be fulfilled and then completed. And they have pretty well been completed. And we're still going through a constant revolution. And it's not happening by itself. Even when countries are turned against other countries, it doesn't happen by itself. And it seldom happens by the reason you're given. You might see the superficial clashes of cultures and civilizations, but the causes behind them are always kept really hidden from you. Or the reasons behind it definitely are kept from you. Nothing changes. This last few days I've been going over very old, old articles that I've done myself over the years and and others before me even. Because uh, true history and facts, with facts, <laughs> checkable facts, are, is, is getting hard to define today. So the, the, the art of managing people is a perfect system. And I knew this a long time ago, eventually it would be almost impossible to really inform very many people in any generation about what really, really happened before they came along themselves. And down through history, there's at least been a few people here and there who at one time had the the cash or the abilities to have articles or or books published uh, to, to give you alternate facts from the establishment facts of authorized history. It's no, it's no exaggeration, by the way, <laughs> to say that everything today, is, things are happening, just like when 9-11 happened in 2001. And in no time at all, there are official books out telling you the official story as to what happened there. I think that the very fact these things, I really think a lot more planned for sure before they happen, what they call false flags and so on or the Gulf of Tonkin instances with, with Vietnam, things like that. Uh, I'm sure they already have the books ready to go as well to bolster their, their facts, as they say. Even today, it's, it's scary when you look at the countless, countless books, for instance, on World War One and World War Two to give you other things that they, they kept secret from the public of all sides, by the way or up until the present time. Official Secrets Acts are very, very, very real in every country. Every country has them. And it was only a few years ago they even brought up for debate how much they would tell the public that a hundred years had passed since old Lord Kitchener had done his exploits across the world on behalf of the British Empire and how much they should tell the public. And they can reclassify them for another hundred years if they want to. The NAFTA deal, the true full NAFTA deal, is not to be seen by the general public of Canada, I think it's to the year 2030 or 40 or even 50 or something, and that was from the the woman who helped draft it all up for the politicians and the debaters and so on. That's what she said herself. The the full agenda for for, for, uh, for the whole thing is to be kept secret from the public, a top secret stamp on it, basically. So you've you got to understand that there's nothing really um, given to the public that, that's purely 100% factual. They might give you bits and pieces of any particular story or 
or, or whatever subject, but not all of it. That'll never happen. It's not our place to know it all, according to those who rule over us, you see. And that's what, again, it's an old technique. Francis Bacon talked about it. Machiavelli wrote about it. That the public should never be informed about the real goings-on and reasons for decisions made at the level of governance above them. Nothing has changed there. And, in fact, I think it's the first things that everyone who works for a government, even local government, are told, including town councillors and so on, is, is not to tell the public anything. And yet you're taught this other thing, that, that you're, you are their bosses and you elect them and they're there to serve you, which is the greatest crime ever to make folk believe that. Because the first thing of power is to protect itself. The first duty of national governments is to protect itself from everybody, including the people who voted them in, if need be. That's how it really is. So many of the things we're trained to believe in are completely fake, or actually um, they're there for a completely different reason or purpose than what you're taught from childhood to believe in. Human beings are said to be complicated creatures, we, we have ancient writings from ancient Greece and other places that um, talk about how people can be cheery even during the most terrible things that are happening. From ancient times even, this, this desire for, for humor, which definitely is a way of getting through terrible times. Every culture has used it and still uses it today. And yet, as soon as the worst dangers are over, they want to just to have fun, as they say. And they go to all, all lengths to, to just have fun. But that's not unique just to humans. I've seen little animals, small animals even, have fun. Seriously. When you watch them in the wild, you can definitely tell they're having fun. I've seen foxes, even out the back in the field, occasional fox in, in a, a spring day it was, the first time, first time I saw one, and he was, he was just hopping along in the sunshine, with a good warm sun in the early spring. And he, he jumped up and, and spun in the air just for, just for fun, enjoyed it. So animals can enjoy, I think, themselves too. It's a necessity, it seems, because often the rest of the, or most of the life is pretty harsh and cruel and rather precarious at times. And so we're, we're complicating things. But remember, too, those who rule over us understand all of these things, all of these things. When you look at the propaganda movies that were churned out, uh, almost by machines, you might say, so fast uh, for World War II and during World War II in Britain and other countries, uh, the U.S. ones are more polished, certainly, but they all have the same things in common. We'll get through this, and the British ones will suffer. I mean, Britain had been in austerity from even before World War I, <laughs> and uh, rationing and all the rest of it, and the Great Depression straight in World War II, and more rationing all the way through. So uh, the folk were used to hardly get, well, really, they, they were malnourished, a lot of them. A lot of the people were really malnourished. And it showed in their lifespans, a lot of them. And like all 
those who study us, they study us all the time, as I say, through terrible things that happen to us. They study your offspring as well. And the first generation that they're born to for quite a few years also suffer because the parents were malnourished. Even when food starts to come back in again, it, it does have a lasting effect for a while. When you have no idea how <laughs> how much we're studied. I've got documents from the government uh, agencies and so on. A lot of this stuff really was, was classified and maybe still is, but this kind of stuff really um, is an eye-opener to see how we can be used, often for all the wrong reasons, and then abused as well by lying to us all. When they already have post-world world systems, which will radically alter your culture and everything else that you believe in. I mean, they've done this in so many countries across the planet, mind you, the owners of the world. This old stuff to them. And because we have this, this propensity for being happy or looking for humor or fun and the most horrific conditions at times, then again, they can use that against us or even for their own agenda as we go through it all as well. There's a good article, for instance, as an example, on the big find they found under Mexico City with stuff that used to be mythological to do with human sacrifice on a scale that, that you couldn't imagine. It seemed, it seemed preposterous that what the conquistadores talked about and how they buried a whole massive city with the temples and, and rows of skulls galore for the sacrifices, uh, it, it seemed so horrific that it, couldn't, it must have been exaggerated by conquerors. But the fact is, I found it and they have unearthed it, and sure enough, um, <laughs> that's exactly as it was described all that time ago, and it was filled in by the conquistadors because they were so horrified at what they saw. Thousands upon thousands of rows of human skulls, men, women, and children, that were killed annually to the gods. Holes knocked in the skulls, and the skulls uh, literally uh, were strung together with poles. Media has always been used to standardize information given to the public. And it's also been used to give them their opinions on on various topics across the board. The game, of course, was also to split people up into left-wing and right-wing, etc., and then have them buy, at one time, the newspapers, which reflected what they thought were, was their, their views on things. They didn't realize that, that that's really just the, uh, the entrapment part. That's the pollen for the bee, you might say. And the bee goes there and takes the pollen, but along with the pollen comes all the disinformation or opinions and selected opinions with omission of other opinions or the other sides of the story, which is guaranteed to happen. Standardization of opinion across the board. And when you look at all the different sides of things, they generally all go along with the same memes, as I say, global warming, uh, Massive climate change. Oh, it must go into austerity and pay to save the planet. We must abort more children and have less children because we're getting overcrowded, etc., etc., etc. And it's in, it's in the movies, it's in your news, it's, it's across the board. It's in education because your masters want it so. They can't 
go into the next phase of the big world revolutionary plan until you're all on board. And it's much better to get you believing in it rather than trying to force you along with it and dragging your heels. And it's quite easy to condition people to believe in it all. You know, most folk can't remember the weather three or four years ago, or even last year, some people. They really don't. Most folk haven't even seen the, the, the chem sprays in the skies that they've been doing since 1998 daily across the planet. And uh, even when they, they start to come out in the big universities and admit to it, they still don't want to believe it until some very famous, well-known correspondent on the media comes out and tells them that this is so. That's how easily and, and well they've been conditioned to to only trust people they've never met before, uh, because they're, they're authorised spokespeople for the media. Quite interesting, that, and that phenomenon in itself, isn't it? And I've said this before too, you can arm yourself with as many facts as you want from the, the, all the sources, in fact, and people generally won't believe you. But they'll believe exactly, even, the, the, even worse stuff, <laughs> they'll believe with less data to back it up from people in authority, if they see the same thing. It's quite quite amazing thing, that, isn't it? Uh, but that's how easy it is to train people. And the masters all know this, of course, too. But across the boards, as I say, in every country, they get the same memes thrown at them, embedded in all the different topics for arguing. Uh, but the memes stay, because the memes are, are really meant to take hold. And they do take hold in most folk, like an inoculation sort of thing. And then they do tests to see if your inoculation worked. Are they all parroting the same stuff? Yep, you see. That's it. Or that the ones who are not, let's find ways to change their minds. And they'll target you on the internet or through your cell phone or whoever it happens to be with little bits of added information to try to spin you off and make your mind um, be changed for, on, on their behalf. It's just too perfect today. And it's automatic. It's no big deal. They don't have to spend lots of time and staff just on you. It's done pretty well automatically now. All this kind of stuff. And you truly have, for those people who want to live in, in uh, the Stone Age, basically, and believe that their vote counts and what they vote for is what they get, which is a government that cares about them with a civil service of humans that all uh, are sworn to uphold their system, what they think is their system, and they're to protect and defend them, etc. Whereas it's a, you've got a massive, massive system and layers and layers and layers of new technocrats and bureaucrats and technicians all working upon electronic conditioning for you across the whole planet. Much bigger than your elected governments <laughs> and all their, all their civil servants. Much, much bigger. The CIA years ago, and just for the American side, was so well exposed as literally being a separate government in itself where politicians in the U.S. couldn't get access to what they were up to. In fact, and sometimes often, and I think very often, the presidents as well. And I think, too, that, that Quigley was quite right. Leaders of all parties are all part of the same organizations, the CFR for America and Trilateral Commission that they own as well. And how you get up there, it's, it's a long process, really. Play the game, go and do some charity work, get your name down, different resumes from different little charities, then they're going to the lower end of politics. And they learn right off the bat, never ask questions. It's like Freemasonry. Freemasons must obey an order from a superior brother in the lodge. They must, without question, and any personal reservations to the act that they must do, whatever they have to do, 
has to be put aside. That's that's the, that's what they, they are taught. And that's how it is with politics. It's exactly the same way or the Chatham House rules of CFR, Royal for International Affairs, and the European Union uh, as well. They have their own branch of it too. It's all the same organisation that runs the world. And that's how you get up there. So off with the charity thing, get your resumes all ticked off and, and marked off. Go out on the golf course with the head. It's always a head of the little organisations that, that they recruit them all, all the, all the up-and-coming ones and pass them as fit to go on to the next level, etc. And, and they go in the golf courses, are tested out, and if they obey without question, they're put forward for, for training into the political arena. And that's how they get up there. But they, they know not to ask questions. If you ask questions, forget it. That's the, that's, that's the, that's the reality. That's the way it is. So... It's a vastly different system than what you're taught to believe in. And all these charities they work for, too, generally, they don't give a penny to the organizations or charities they pretend to oversee. They literally are recruiting offices. And these offices do vet the people as they come in. And, they've, they've, and the folk who come in, generally, they're, they're almost professional by the by their, the age of their 20. They know not to ask questions even, even then, even about the charity they're supposed to be there uh, as they scoff their tea and or their coffee and cakes, etc., laid on by the money that's donated to them. That's really how it, how it is in real life. Now, anthropologists, again, anthropologists are a tremendous tool to study all of us for the masters. Anthropologists are even sent out, and I've read the articles years ago on the air, uh, from uh, the different governments, including Britain, states, and so on, as they sent them out with the troops into different countries and, uh, so that they could literally help manipulate the, the cultures of the people they were invading. And that's what, of course, we've watched most of our lives now, is, is the invasion of other countries, uh, with nothing to do with the reasons you're given. Nothing to do with the reasons you're given at all. Uh, we don't go out there and, and invade countries because they're not treating the people properly, whoever properly means. That doesn't happen. It's never happened. We're not in the business of doing good, not even for their own domestic populations. <laughs> Again, it's a vastly different system. The system's ancient, by the way. Absolutely ancient. You'll find even, uh, they have this idea, they always sell a system to get the people on board to, to, to work along, as I say, willingly, like, like global warming, for instance, or climate change, they changed it too as well, because warming wasn't cooperating at that time. And, uh, and they never mentioned about the freezing winters we're getting now either, did they? They're awfully good at that. And unfortunately it works, because if you don't say it in the media, then people who are going through those cold winters will forget it all the easier too. It's just too easy to train the public. But in ancient times they did that too. You'll find that um, the elite want their own system of complete and total dominance over the whole world. And everything in it, by the way. They wanted that in ancient times. You have Alexander the Great, for instance, who was taught by Aristotle, his mentor, they all had philosophical mentors. These phil uh, philosophical mentors were also steeped in what was called the mysteries. And 
If you go into the mysteries, I've, I've given talks years ago on them, but the mysteries, literally, when you delve into them, under all the covers, etc., they put out the fake stuff, their true stuff, and so on, is meant to recruit people, again, on a different tiered level basis for revolution and dominance over others. It's always been that way. In ancient times, as I say, that they wanted a utopia for themselves. And of course, if you go into Greece, that was the idea behind old mythologies. And, the, and I like the mythologies, actually, in Greece. They're, they're awfully good stories about human nature. That's, that's a key right off the bat, human nature. Because what human nature is never changes. The basic drives, etc., of human nature never change. If you understand them, you're already a bit higher than a lot of people as to how we tick. Today we have neuroscientists and a whole bunch of other things too. But it's the same thing as human nature. And the gods represent an elite who understand basic human nature and who can even play with humans by using the human nature against the humans that they're playing with. It's really quite interesting when you sit back and think about it. But also, the, the, the philosophers and Socrates and so on, in other words, mentors of, Plato, of uh, Plato and Aristotle, etc., they also had the basic sciences. And human nature, too. We, we have sciences of sociology, psychology, etc., social sciences, and psychodynamics, we understand them all. They understood the two, but they also understood basic sciences like, uh, like mathematics. These are laws. See, mathematics were laws about things. And so, like Orwell said, two and two is four, and, and being free and freedom is the right to say two and two is four. They're all changing it today to try to screw us all up as we go through the big transformation, but the fact is two and two is still four. It's, 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 it's the way it's always going to turn out. It's a law. And so they're fascinated by laws. And then they went into, of course, geometry as well. And when you find more laws to do with geometry, then they realized that, there, that, that way beyond the basic assumptions were actual laws. And they thought they could find laws for everything. And that eventually, with using these laws, they could control everything and dominate the world. Today it's done through science and physics, biology, etc., same thing, though, same revolution. But you'll find, as I say, that the old saying that Albert Pike said, and others have said, too, that we, we Masons, it says, never speak so plainly as we do in, while in public, amongst the profane. Because the profane will hear what they're saying, but you're only hearing what appears on the surface they're saying. There's always an inner meaning for the initiated, you see. And that's, that was, when I read that to many, many, many years ago, I thought, how amazing, because that's exactly what Aristotle was accused by Alexander, his, his student, of doing, was allowing some of the secrets out of their order to the profane, the people. And Aristotle wrote back and says, don't worry, he says. He said, we understand the meanings of what's been, I've said but that the general public will never figure it out. It's just the same thing that Pike said, well over about one and a half thousand, more than that, years later. 
Same organisation. Again, revolution, and Pike was the head of the International Revolutionary Committee at that time as well. So Utopia, again, and under Alexander, was um, one of their moves, of course, to try and unify and standardise a world system, all conquered. On the surface, that's how it's portrayed in even uh, popular movies. But in reality, it was to conquer and totally control and gain all the wealth and the resources of all those nations at the same time. Where else do you find that? Well, you find it from even from, from the British system, based in London. From the, from the late uh, 18th century onwards, you found this, this creation of an empire with the moneyed system that ran the banking system, lent to the, to the government so they could have massive armies and armaments, etc., and spread armies across the planet, and then uh, using the whole, whole of the population to tax, to pay back the loans for private business. And then after a long, long period of conquering, you look at what happened in Britain. One major war, remember, World War I, finished Britain off financially. It never recovered from it. It struggled up until World War II, borrowed more and more money again. And they still haven't paid it off yet from World War II. They're still paying it off to the moneylenders because, yep, we, forget all the movies and the heroic stuff you, you see in the movies, etc. It runs by the same system of moneylending and, and taxing it back from the public to pay it off at massive compound interest. And remember, one of the greatest... Um, Techniques of warfare is financial, it's economics. So wars don't just conquer for uh, those who are after the world's resources. Wars also conquer the nations that they used to to do all. (laughs) It's quite interesting, isn't it? Quigley said much the same thing too, that you can do more on a social level. He's talking about social change. Doesn't describe what kind of changes time, but he knew and his initiates too knew as well across the world. It says you can do more in five years of war when government can take over all realms of, of everything, agriculture, you name it, with a, an iron rule. You can do more in five years of war than 50 years of peace using propaganda. And that's why you've got the war on terror as uh, a necessity to standardize the world into the next phase, which we're going through rapidly. Many changes have happened in my lifetime, all planned long before I was born. And you can can get by the old bouchette, some of them, from the 1800s, with all the the big, big changes that we're going to experience in the 20th century that have happened. The free love movement, late 1800s, H.G. Wells was part of that initially. And using world wars, which he also talked about, uh, to accomplish the goals. And then abolish nations uh, uh, with the barriers of borders, etc. And then they came up with free trade. Sign on here, and you will allow the free movement of labor and goods across borders. Then you, then the next time they sign it, they, they just omit the... the the labour part and just put migrants, etc., etc. It's on the go. Now, just like 
Alexander with his utopia and, and the, those behind him that lauded him for conquering good part of the ancient world and trying to supposedly unify it into one system where the, the true Fisher kings, you might say, would uh, run the world like benevolent dictators. Hasn't changed. The same rhetoric came out of Carl Quigley because he believes in that system, or he did believe in that system, and those who he mentored to be part of it and those who mentored him. That's how it really is. It's an elitist system who have never believed in democracy, but they use this term democracy to stop the people from having revolutions against them and throwing them out. Because you think, well, we can always vote them out the next time and get some better folk. That's, how you, that's what democracy is about. It's a, it's a front. And yet the same big agreements they make at the United Nations are, are kept in force, regardless of what party comes in. And you never see them toss out all these major change systems that have been agreed by the previous party. It doesn't happen. And what was needed with the 9-11 uh, incident, of course, was to take the rights away from the public, to go across the Middle East, uh, wiping out nations that were all on the list of the New American Century Group before it all happened, for years before it all happened, in fact. And we also know that Muammar Gaddafi in Libya was being paid to keep massive hordes from Africa uh, from flooding across into Europe and, and Americas because the population is always exploding in Africa and African countries and other countries as well. And the elites who run the world have always prattled on about overpopulation, always. And they don't count the peasants of, say, Britain or anywhere else any different from the peasants of India or Africa. We're all the same peasantry as far as we're concerned. Only they themselves at the top have the right genes, you might say. And they're very open about it. Even Prince Philip, of course, has been awfully good articles I've read myself about Philip, for instance, who's more open about the goal of it all and the wrong kind of people, as he puts it, those with what he calls lower IQs, etc. And lower economic brackets as well. We're all peasants to them. But here it says, uh, the EU, this is from 2010. See, nothing happens, as I say, for the reasons you're told. Gaddafi uh, was awfully important and he had been for many, many years, and he said at the United Nations, before they killed him, that uh, he said that if, if Libya uh, wasn't taking care of this wall of, who were trying to get across the world, they flood Italy, etc., with massive, unending migrants, he said, there'd be no Europe, as you know it, eventually. And that's why they killed him, because that had to be, he had to be eliminated and Libya demolished along with other countries that uh, had been on that list, the New American Century Group, the project for New American Century. And the same one that uh, Mr. Clark said, the general, and uh, he also talked about all the countries that uh, were on the list as well. But it says the EU is keen to strike a deal with Muammar Gaddafi on immigration, 2010. Commission chiefs to hold talks with uh, Gaddafi. Gaddafi's demand, he demanded 5 billion, uh, I think it's euros or a year, to stop the Europe turning black, he says. This is from the Guardian newspaper in Britain. And so there, this is when they hadn't killed him, he's still alive. And it says, um, it says that uh, 
They put a price tag of €5 billion, Euros, which is £4.1 billion pounds a year on the deal, which was cheap. There's nothing. I mean, look, look at the billions they spend a day now on it. This is a good uh, scope to develop cooperation with Libya on migration, said Matthew Newman, Commission spokesman. Other officials said three negotiating sessions were expected by the end of the year between Brussels and Tripoli, as well as the staging of a summit of EU and African leaders in Libya in November. In a highly theatrical visit to Italy this week, Gaddafi warned that Europe would turn black unless it was more rigorous in turning back immigrants. Libya is a key transit point for legal migration from Africa to Europe. The Libyan leader said, remember this is before the the, the recent mass migration too, which really escalated after they killed um, Gaddafi. The Libyan leader said the bill for sealing the crossing routes would be at least 5 billion euros a year. Now don't forget that uh, Gaddafi didn't need the money. And his country didn't need, his most successful country (laughs) of an African nation, North African nation, of any of them. It says, well, the commission in Brussels said that much could be achieved with Libya, far lesser amounts than that named by Colonel Gaddafi, Franco Frattini, the Italian foreign minister, supported the Libyan leader. He said European government chiefs would discuss the proposed migration pact at the Tripoli summit. Frattini went to Libya today to chair a meeting with Mediterranean Rim countries, five from the EU and five in the Maghreb. And uh, so Gaddafi was making an argument that all the other Arab leaders in North Africa have made, which is that they don't want to be the gendarmes, the, the, like the police of Europe. Frattini said, the issue of the 5 billion euros has not been looked at up to now. We will look at it in European meetings and imagine it will be considered a European-African summit in Libya in November. And uh, he, he made a speech before, just before they killed him, actually. They gave, he made a speech, Gaddafi did, at the United Nations, and it was televised, and he said, he says, there's nothing else holding this back from Europe. And that, that it would also escalate, too, with the countries that, that uh, they were taken out across the Middle East. And, of course, he was next, and they did it to him, too. And that was why they did it to him, because the masters who own Britain and the U.S. and France had planned it that way. They, they couldn't, uh, they, 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 they need the mass migration. They can then turn around with the next part of their plan and say, look, we're, we're all sinking, we're going to be, really tighten our belts into austerity, post-consumer society has to happen because it's costing so much money, yada, yada, yada. This is all part of the plan. There's no doubt about it in my mind whatsoever. They've really speeded it all up with taking out Libya. And then you have all these mass organizations, all run by a pyramid-style bureaucracy running mass migration. With, if you've seen the boats coming in, these are, these are good big inflatables, and they'll have their life jackets and so on. Some of them have a lot, a lot of them actually have cell phones, and lists of places to go uh, into the countries when they arrive there. It's all well organized from outside the countries they're coming from. All planned that way. And Italy really is sinking because the countries can't afford it. They can't afford to take so many people in. It costs millions, even for a few of them, to house them, give them. Most of them can't speak English. And then special education right off the bat, health care, put them up in apartments, all this kind of thing. It's great business for social work departments. And all, but these, these departments all are all living on the taxpayer too, folks. You see? And the taxpayer is going broke. 
has been for a long time. And that's why money is worth less and less and less. Look at some of the old movies from even 1950s or 60s. Take your pick which ones you want to see. And you, you find that the silly little, you know, they're, they're a lot of them are really silly and simple. There's some good ones too, but most of them are kind of silly and simple. But they do give you the idea that, that gangs of people would murder and mayhem across Europe. For instance, under the plot where, where money is stolen during World War II by a small gang who hid it. And here they are in the 60s, we're going to live like kings on $250,000 split between five of them. And don't forget, back then, you could probably have bought a brand new car for just three or $4,000 in some of these countries. And you wonder why they cost so much now and everything else costs. It's compound interest, folks. We don't pay off the debts we never have paid off. We, we try and pay off the interest that's accumulated for that little period. And that's what they mean by balancing the budget, not by paying off the debt. never has been. And that's why I could have bought a house in the 1950s in Toronto, a brick house for under 5000 a new one for under $5,000. And you're lucky to buy something even or even smaller today, made of wood for a quarter million. Compound interest. Tell your money's worth less and less and less. That's how it's planned. Now, back to what I'm saying here, so I'll put up this article. Remember, I always give you the articles to read for yourselves. It's up to you what you want to believe. But uh, all I'm, t- I'm showing you is nothing is ever done on, for the reasons you're told. Never, ever. And you must start giving up you, your rights, you see, because of terrorism. Lots of articles, too. You get fed up doing articles on, ter- and on all the different laws to do with anti-terrorism. The NSA, who they use, all the special buildings they've got who are tapping you or watching you inside your own countries and outside. Because NSA is across the planet. And they're part of the Five Eyes organizations too. And they have many subsidiaries outside the Five as well. But I'll put some of the ones on the spy hubs across the U.S., and the companies, too, that they use uh, normally for, to, to intercept all your, your data. Uh, everybody's involved in it, of course, but they mention specifically like AT&T that are well known for it, too. But so are all the rest of them as well. Nothing's secret anymore. You can't get it secret. Against the law, it'd be secret. <laughs> and then Project X, another one, too, in New York, uh, to do with um, a spy hub in New York City in plain sight. Etc. Australia too, by the way, at the moment is is a bit worried now because they're they're now adjusting the laws again for more spying on their own people. Really, so they must guard against foreign interference and in, into their own politics, but not by curbing our rights. It says authoritarian governments around the world use broadly drafted national security laws to silence human rights defenders, journalists, and bloggers and critics of the government. Australia should not join them by passing a revised espionage and foreign interference law that excludes safeguards for legitimate discourses in the public interest. And it gives you what's in this present bill that's going through. And it says, here's why charities, lawyers and universities are worried about the government's foreign interference laws. 400-page report, you can, you can look at it here. I'll put the links up and you can download it for yourself. 400-page report, it's a live link. With 60 recommendations to revise the espionage and the foreign interference bill.
and it's quite interesting. If you, if you, I'm, I'm a kind of person who'll wade through a lot of this stuff just for my own sake, you know. Most folk don't really care about these things. That's the problem too. Most folk don't really care what runs their lives <laughs> as long as they have enough money to spend and they can have fun in the process. Then Australia passes anti-foreign meddling laws in message to China. So they're also being a message to China by these laws as well. An article here I want to show you as well about, it's quite interesting how the, a, a, a piece of propaganda uh, lauding uh, the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth, makes millions from the UK's offshore wind farms project. So do a lot of the nobility in Britain because they managed to pass all the laws to get them through using the taxpayers' money to build them and then they plonk them down on their own estates and they collect all the cash from it. It's pretty good, isn't it? Uh, is one, being good to the public is awfully, awfully profitable for the ones who know how to pull the strings. Eh? I'll put that down too. It talks about the Crown Estate Limited, a company that generates income for Queen Elizabeth II. That's only one of many, of course. Being the Queen isn't just waving hands, it's also knowing uh, having a massive machinery that collects the, the cash and pulls it all in. They also get paid by the taxpayer for waving the hands, by the way. But you don't know that. The guy should get paid for that. Also, this article here, nearly 4 million adults in the UK have been forced to use food banks due to shocking levels of deprivation. Figures have revealed for the first time. Remember, too, as the money gets used for more and more massive migrants and putting them, it's so expensive to put up people today. Anybody, it's not who they are. They bring them from overseas and house them en masse. It's very expensive. Well, who pays for it? The taxpayer pays for it, folks. Government's going to borrow the money from the usual lenders, and then the taxpayers, they start paying it back. And the more they pay out, pay back, pay back, they have to tighten their belts as money gets worth less and less, and it's real purchasing power. And we all know this. Also, tens of thousands of pensioners face income cuts while others could get a boost after the HMRC identified decades of payment errors by bureaucrats and so on. So you always get shafted, don't you? Eh? Teenage suicides in London have increased at more than four times the national rate. As growing levels of deprivation and hopelessness grip young people in the capital. And it says that there's more deaths and self-inflicted deaths amongst Londoners aged between 10 years old and 19. They've more than doubled since 2013, rising by 107% in the three years to 2016. While across England and Wales, the equivalent numbers increased by 24%. Now they're saying it's an overpressured environment, but they're all competing for jobs or futures or whatever, facing teenagers in the, in the city and a feeling amongst those in the capitals, deprived neighbourhoods, that there is no hope for their education and job prospects. Well, that's what free trade was about, as they took all their, their factories out of the country's folks across the Western world and Europe. That was all planned by the same masters that bring you wars and everyone else. And that's a fact, folks. And it all works together with the same big agenda. And again, I'll put up the articles on Gaddafi before they killed him. Maybe try and find some of the old ones I read before, when they actually went in and did it. And they gave France the privilege, that was very, very um, symbolic, by the way, of dropping the first bombs on Libya. It wasn't by chance, they made a big deal of telling us in the papers they'd allow, allowed the, the, the French planes to drop the first bombs. Also, the Independent talks about Angela Merkel reportedly secured agreements 
with 14 European Union countries to rapidly return some asylum seekers arriving in Germany. They can't afford it anymore. I mean, everybody's buckling under with the cost of all. None of these countries, remember, have ever paid off their debts. They're up to their eyes in debt. They only pay off. They try to pay off the interest of the debts. That's all they can do. Like you can only pedal so long in the water before you before you run out of energy and you sink, folks. It's quite simple. Quite simple. And then Spain's migrant wave grows even as Europe's subsides. It says in their article as well. But, but what I was thinking this week again, looking at Mexico and so on. And another thing too, in Mexico, they're having elections, as you well know, and there's hundreds of folk being been assassinated over this last year, uh, as, as, and a few of them are just the other day, in fact, across there too. Uh, it's astonishing. That's the normal there when it comes to big elections, because remember, those who run for governments are the small gangs, all competing to get in. You see, to basically extort from the rest of the public. That's what all countries really are, if you haven't figured it out yet. Only in the Western worlds, with the much, much older, older systems, and the standardization of the system from ancient times to the present, in the Western countries, we have a more sophisticated form of being ruled by a big gang, because the big gang generally isn't seen. They have smaller gangs that compete, and they're allowed a certain amount of competition between them, as, as Carl Quigley said. But there's, there's bosses above them that make sure everything runs smoothly for the owners of all. That's how it really, really runs. But in Mexico, they're allowed to be a bit more, uh, you know, energetic, put it that way, in their competitions over the public. And I was thinking, though, looking the, when they dug up uh, that incredible old site of sacrifice under Mexico City. It's just an incredible find, really. And they'll be busy forever um, analyzing the, the DNA and the types. They're already, they're already uh, typing the peoples to see that they came from all over different parts of uh, uh, Central America and Latin America. And looking at their health and their teeth, their bone types, etc. And uh, it's quite fast. A great find for them, but for it also gives you a look into society. Don't forget that they had a lot of building techniques too. They had definitely had different sciences to do with studying astronomy, etc. And generally, people who do these kind of things don't believe in the religion that they give the public when it comes to sacrifice. But keeping millions of folk as peasants and obedient to you and, and keeping you in luxury often demands that you create the sacrifices to terrify them to, to make sure they keep doing it. <laughs> it's quite, quite, the, quite the technique, really, isn't it? Isn't it really? Isn't it really? That, that's how it's done. You've got to understand that human nature is not really, as I say, a, a great thing. We can pull together, we can help each other when we want to do so. But if you're kept in a system of, of uh, where you're deprived of the basics on, a, on an ongoing scale for maybe a generation or generations, you can get a real hard, nasty system of, of ruthlessness develop that wouldn't have developed any other way. Fear is an incredible thing for, for creating horror and ruthlessness. It truly is. And the psychopathic ones among society at all levels come to the fore to dominate the rest. 
And that's what it caused success for those who are successful. They're, they're ruthless, unfortunately. And yes, anthropologists will say, well, they're the survivors. They're the ones who will go on and, and procreate and, have, and afford their offspring or have more values or whatever and more children and because they're successful. And that's nature's way, Darwinian's survival of the fittest. If that's the truth of it, we're, we're a sad lot. All of humanity is a sad lot. Truly. Because I say the meme we're getting now is, oh, there's too many of you. Well, before they opened up the floodgates from across the world, there weren't. What did they want? Did they want less of you? They were telling you there was too many of you before they opened the floodgates. Then they bring the people in, open the floodgates, and then you, you say, well, God, there is too many. And the reason is because you can see it exploding in all the cities, just more and more and more and more and more. You must make it appear to be so by making it so. Because all the world has to come onto the same global system to reduce their numbers at the same time. That's the message, folks. That's what they're pushing. All the big players have said this before I was born and they continued the mantra to the present time. The Club of Rome was set up to, to push this austerity thing, find a reason to, to convince the public they must start depopulating, etc., and that's why Planned Parenthood was a big, big part of the agenda. And free sex is too. Create the problem, then start killing your children. Once you accept that, you'll accept the next step, which is will sterilize you. Lots of articles too from that step on for, to do with the early uh, abortion industry in the States when they found dumpsters of children, babies, you know. I'll put that up too. From years ago, because you understand you're being taught be to accept dehumanization and when you adopt these opinions you are accepting dehumanization and your opinions then will dehumanize others especially if you're an authority to do so you've been taught and taught and taught instead of looking after everybody as best you can and sharing what you got they want you to start to abort and and then kill off the unfit the big part of it too the eugenics is back in, in style after World War II. It died off for a while. They're back in style again and giving you pills to kill you off in hospital rather than give you treatment. It's disgusting how you've been trained so easily. It truly is. And the meme is across the board. Now, I don't get TV. I don't watch TV. It's weaponized, terribly weaponized, to destroy your culture, destroy your, your families, destroy everything, and even destroy your own humanity. And to turn you into something you should not be. With the very opinions I've been talking about tonight. Dehumanizing yourself and others. And companies admit illegal fetal tissue sales in California operations. It's Planned Parenthood next, this article says here. And you've got ones to do with abortions again. I'll put them up. Awfully good interest. Once back from Reagan's Day too, articles when they found the dumpsters, etc., in California, and in Planned Parenthood, that gets money from the government and from charities and so on, also is using that money to make sure they can get in their own uh, governors in some places. One of the, the old articles was Los Angeles Fetus Disposal Scandal, it says. In 1982, they found 16,000 aborted fetuses being improperly stored in Malvin Weisberg's Woodland Hills, California home. 
And it tells you about the legal battle as well, how they started all up. This is what they were dumping them, just dumping them. And, and go back to what I said earlier about the found with the mass slaughter of sacrifices under Mexico City, the old temple. Link it with this, folks. I hope you understand what I'm getting at here, the links between it all. And then Articles 2, and I've come back to my rhythm a few weeks ago about the, the, the mandatory, but pretty well, it's pretty well mandatory euthanasia in hospitals in Canada now because they're going to offer you that rather than just give you treatments, which could keep you going a few years or longer. And actually, it was meant to go this way, assisted dying, they call it, and the removal of all hope. And um, obstacle to drug-free society. Well, it's, it's interesting, as I say, as they really push the agenda ahead at such a pace now. Step by step, it, it all ties together. First abortion, let's kill off the elderly now. Let's, now then let's kill off folk who are depressed. Or let's kill off folk who, who might cost a, a little bit on health care now. Economic reasons, as, as they claim, eh? Your value is over. Why don't you just die quietly when you could last a few years longer with the right treatment and with the other medications that you've already paid through insurance for years by law? <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? This is what it's all about, folks. It's disgusting, isn't it? I think so. What's happened in the past can be done again. It just it might have a slightly different appearance. It's the same thing that's happening, folks. Your masters decide what you're worth if they even need you anymore or they don't need you. Remember the books too I have for sale at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. There's books and discs I have there. You can order them if you go into the website, CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. Remember they only sell them on my sites. That's where you'll, where you'll get the actual books and discs. I don't sell any other products like herbal products or anything like that. Just the books and discs. And they're for only from my sites. Any other ones you see there are bogus if they're selling the books. I hope you get something out of what I'm saying. I'm just trying to give you a, get through to a few people because knowledge is carried on by a few down through the generations. Always has been. And for those who are banging their head against the wall, think there's something wrong with them because things just don't make sense, I'm trying to give you the reasons why. And then you can go on and hopefully enough of the young folk can carry on the knowledge into the next, the next 20, 30, 40, 50, 100 years, whatever. That's how it's done. Because there is a real war, and a many, many different leveled war we're living through right now. So from myself, Alan Watt from Ontario, Canada, it's good night to me, your God, or your gods go with you.